So we're up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 as we read. I'm going to pray for us. We always want um, to pray before we start just to ask God to help us receive his word and to help uh, ask God to help me preach it faithfully. So let's do that now. Father, we do thank you that we can gather under your word and we pray that you'll help us hear it today. May your spirit be at work in our hearts to receive it and may you help me preach it faithfully. May, may it be a faithful uh, a sermon so that uh, we can learn how we can live our lives under you in this world. We do pray for that in your son's name. Amen. I've been watching a lot of Netflix during this time. I don't know about you. Some of you guys have been binging Netflix from what I've been hearing. Um, but if you were if you were on Netflix, especially this last week, you would have seen that there are uh, there's this new thing that shows the top 10 watch shows in Australia. Uh, the other day on Friday, I think it was, uh, the number one watched show, the watch program on Netflix was the documentary, The Last Dance. I don't know if you have seen it or seen it pop up on your Netflix. It's about Michael Jordan's career in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls. Now, for me, that's that's huge because I grew up in the 90s and the, Ch- the Chicago Bulls were huge. Michael Jordan was huge. He was one of my heroes. I've only watched a couple of episodes of the documentary myself, but there's a reason why he's known as the GOAT. You know, G-O-A-T, the, the, the greatest of all time. Uh, he's one of the greatest in the basketball world. He's won six championships with Chicago. He's won five MVPs. He currently owns the NBA Charlotte Bobcats and the Air Jordan brand with Nike. Forbes, they say that he's worth nearly $2 billion, over $2 billion. That's crazy. Now, I always remember Michael Jordan growing up. Like, he was one of my heroes. Like, there were there were posters of him on my wall in my bedroom. I remember going to news agencies and, and his face would be plastered on all the sports magazines. I even had a game on my Super Nintendo. I don't know if you guys remember this game if you grew up in the 90s, but there was a game called Michael Jordan Chaos in the Windy City. You can actually YouTube it. it, it it's really old school retro, um, but there's so much nostalgia just thinking about that. I watched this documentary though, right? And I saw Jordan sharing about how he felt as he looked back on his life. And you can just tell his life really was all about the game. He lived and breathed it. And there's a reason why he was so inspirational to so many. He, he, he was all about winning. And he was never satisfied until he put in his all. It was in the game of basketball that he found joy and gladness and pleasure. Now, Michael Jordan, he's aged a lot. He's in the young, energetic man he once was. And, and the most he can do now is watch other players play the game that he once was the face of. And while he might be able to enjoy the wealth that he has now, he has to live with the reality that he isn't going to be able to get back in the game and compete against these other players. Now I can only imagine, but once you've reached the pinnacle of success and and pleasure is at your fingertips, the question is, what's next? What else more can you accomplish? What else more can you gain or possess that will satisfy? We might not have accomplished much yet in this world, right? You might be young still or still in university. We might not have reached the pinnacle of our careers or had the luxury of every pleasure at our fingertips. We might not even be chasing that, all right? But I think we can all agree that for us, whoever you are, there is a pursuit there, isn't there? To chase joy and to chase pleasure in this life. For Michael Jordan, it was in the game. But what is it for you? What is it that you have set your heart on? If you just get it, you'll feel complete. Ticking off that bucket list, perhaps, you know, of, of places to travel, 
raising a family, having kids who all become high achievers, will that make you feel complete? Will that give you pleasure? Having your own firm, perhaps, that you can run, that way you can be CEO of, or having your own farm in the countryside, a house on the coast where you can resort to, where you can just escape from everyone. What, what is it that will make you feel that way? And tell me what your weekends are like, and I can tell you that you and I, we're all chasing after it, aren't we? That pleasure, that joy. We're looking for it in our wealth, in our status, in our social media accounts. We're looking for it in our romantic relationships, in sex. We're looking for it in our fine dining, our 12-course degustation meals. We're looking for it as we pour another shot, as we dance at another rave. We pursue it as we escape for hours into our imaginary worlds of fantasy novels or video games. We look for it as we climb and hike mountains, as we go for our park runs on Saturday mornings, or even as we escape into our introvert time, right? We're hoping that pleasure will last and satisfy us in the things that we accomplish, in the things that we do. So we work hard, so we can play hard. And we discover the play and the pleasure never seems to be enough. We've always been left dissatisfied. We're always left yearning for more. You know, I remember when I was in uni and we had holidays and at the end, the last day of holidays, you know, you had to go back to, to uni classes tomorrow and it'd be, you'd dread it. You'd, you'd never feel like you made the most of your holidays. You felt very dissatisfied. I felt that way all the time. And it's with that idea that we want to come to chapter two of Ecclesiastes, where we hear what a life pursuing pleasure ultimately results in. Last week, we did hear from chapter one, didn't we? And we were introduced to the, to the teacher or the preacher, right, who's sharing his thoughts about what life under the sun looks like, the, the meaninglessness, the vanity of life. We heard about the daily grind of work and the repetitive nature of life that just seems to go nowhere. We chase after the gains. We chase after more wealth, more status, more possessions, more comfort, but then to one day return to the ground where we began and be forgotten in generations to come. And so we hear the teacher sharing with us real questions, the, the, the existential angst of it all in our short lives. What is the point of pleasure here in chapter two? How does it actually make a difference in the bigger picture of life? And so chapter two introduces us, doesn't it, to finding that purpose in the pursuit of pleasure. If you've got your Bibles, let's read together. I'm just going to read verse one first. It says this, I said to myself, chapter two, verse one, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good but that also proved to be meaningless. So you see, the first thing I want us to recognize though is pleasure itself is wired into our hearts, isn't it? We all want it. I mean, this guy who's writing it, he's written you know, thousands of years ago and the human nature hasn't changed. We all still want it. We all still want pleasure. The term for this is we're, we're hedonists. A hedonist is, is someone who's a pleasure seeker, right? But we're all a hedonist to some extent. We all believe and live desiring pleasure. No one lives wanting pain in our lives, do we? We don't desire pain. We want a pleasurable experience of life, of school studies, our job, of our families, of our rest time, of our relationships. We seek pleasure, not pain. That's firstly something we have to acknowledge. He understands that we all, we're all looking for pleasure. And he's going to look for pleasure in his own life. If you knew me, I, I was totally that type of, you know, I was I was basic. <laughs> Parties, chasing girls, experimenting with substances, wanting to start fights. It was all a pursuit for pleasure for me. Some of us, we bloom a bit later. You know, it happens a lot more in universe and maybe not getting into fights. But, you know, that sort of lifestyle. Raves every weekend. We start getting addicted into certain substances or alcohol. 
It all begins in the same place though, doesn't it? A heart that's wired for pleasure. But even if that's not you, I'm certain that there, outside of work, there are activities that you're into, you know, because you're looking for pleasure. I don't know what it is for you. It could be, could be sports, painting, time with your pets or your plants, you know, that's pleasurable for you. Or having that cup of coffee even, brunch at that cafe. We all want pleasure. It's so human to look at it in our lives, to look for it in our lives. You know, it, it's really interesting, actually. There's this phenomenon in our world over the last, what, 10 years, social media. You know, there are people on social media called social media influencers. They get paid. They get paid to influence us. They're, they're basically, their whole account on social media is, look at the pleasure I get to enjoy, the food I get to eat, the beach I get to bake on, the people I get to hang out with, the house I get to live in. You can have this too. And the marketing, it sucks us in, doesn't it? That's the pleasure I want too. You feel the FOMO, don't you? It's the commercial on TV that tells you, you need to buy this car. It goes fast. It has air conditioning. It has airbags. It helps you to reverse park because you suck at reverse parking, right? It's luxury on wheels. It'll be a pleasure to drive. So the preacher, he's aware that we're all hedonists to some extent, pleasure seekers. And so he pushes into that very human experience. We can all, you know, we can all relate to this. Being someone who has an opportunity to, he, he, him being uh, the king, right? He says he'll test himself with pleasure to find out what's good. A search for what will satisfy him. He essentially does this experiment. I haven't done experiments since high school in science class. But I remember being, you do a hypothesis, you, you come up with a method, observations, and then a theory or conclusion, right? I don't know, some of you science students can, can um, correct me if I'm wrong. But he goes on this experiment himself. He says, I'm going to test right? Test this out in my life. Yeah, being the king, he has everything, wealth, time at his disposal. The next verses tell us this. I'm going to read from verse two and you can hear his experiment, what he, what he goes out to do. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects, I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to, to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself. And the treasure of kings and provinces, I acquired male and female singers in a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Now this is a guy who has done it all, hey? Man, that's impressive. Imagine going to the end of your life and being able to say all that. Uh, you might not relate to any of those things, but substitute those things with other desires that you might have, right? Finding pleasure in a, in a bottle of red. Um, finding pleasure in what you set out to accomplish. You know, he says he built, built houses. Well, what's completing a project for you like? What does it feel like? You achieved something, you've accomplished something, you, you wrote a paper, you planted a herb garden, it's, you feel accomplished, don't you? You get pleasure from that. You, or you get pleasure from what you buy. He, he says he bought herds of, of flock and, and, and stuff like that, S servants. Or perhaps for you, you feel pleasure when you go out and you do some shopping, you go online shopping, or you get more gadgets, you get that new video game, you, you get more possessions, you grow your collection of, of whatever you're collecting, you know, there's this feeling of pleasure 
when you go out and you get to buy nice things? He goes on, doesn't he? He, he amasses wealth, possessions, relationships, hobbies, experiences, entertainment, sex. He covers all the bases that our hearts desire. If, if, if we were to live in his context, we'd know exactly what he's saying. We'd, we, we'd want that too, essentially. Yet he learns something. In verse 11, after what I read, he says this, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Sure, we're wired for pleasure as human beings. But he comes to the realization that pursuing pleasure itself isn't going to satisfy. There's a disconnect there. Yeah, we want pleasure. And we choose pleasure over pain in this life any day of the week. But when we go out, when we actively seek after it, the reality is you actually don't get it or it doesn't last. Isn't it true? I don't want to say we're shallow, but, but we're shallow. We're shallow and we're short-sighted at times, aren't we? There are, there are so many pleasures we chase after in the immediate, and they're good and they're satisfying for a short while, but they don't last. And they're never enough. We never have enough. It's why we binge watch Netflix, because one episode is not enough. We want more. And we're living in this consumeristic generation. We consume so much, and companies are producing more and more each year to meet our consumeristic desires. So right now, if you're like me, you're, you're itching to get a Nintendo Switch, right? Come on. You know, we all, we all want a pastime. We want to have entertainment, play video games. It's going to be fun when the friends come around to, to get on the Switch together. But in 10 years' time, the Switch is going to be irrelevant. There'll be a new console out that's going to be better, more advanced, and the Switch will eventually be discontinued. Now, if you have, have kids, you know what I mean, right? And Toy Story, that movie, is a perfect example of this. Toys get old real quick these days. Plastic junk that's only good for landfill or for the charity bin. Give a kid a cardboard box and pleasure will last a lot longer. Take your fashion, for example. Don't you get really excited when you try on that, that new dress, that new suit, that new, that new sweater, and you know you look swish in it? You found out something that fits well, shapes you well. You look a million bucks. But next season, that dress you wore for the 10th time, those, 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 those mint green trousers, <laughs> that beret that looks sophisticated on Samuel L. Jackson, well, it doesn't look so good anymore, does it? Well, that new mobile phone you got, man, we cycle through them every few years, don't we? Early last year, I was helping one of our members, Bayer, one of our uni students. I was helping her unwrap her new iPhone, the plastic, taking the plastic off. And I'm sure by now, even in a case, that iPhone, it's not as wonderful as when you first got it. Hey, Bayer, <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, I know how that, you know, I know how that feels, but I don't know what it is for you. The, the jewelry, the coffee machine, even the indoor plant that you were so excited to purchase when you first got it. The joy and pleasure lasts for a season, but we're, we're then back online, shopping, at, shopping on online shopping websites and, and looking for something else to satiate our desires, aren't we? To satisfy our cravings. And what was last season ends up for sale on Gumtree, in the charity bin, or, or outside on the curb for council cleanup, the things that we once treasured, the things that we once found pleasure in. And then we read these words and we re totally relate, right? Verse 11, Yet when I survey that all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. See, live long enough, and you know that heavy weight of dissatisfaction. You can have it all, 
but it doesn't ever satisfy our discontent hearts, does it? There's a, there's a song in that movie. Do you remember that movie, The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman? Some of you haven't watched it, but there's a song in it and it's sung by Jenny Lynn, uh, our opera singer. It's a response to Hugh Jackman's character who's, who's chasing after fame and fortune, essentially. And this song, it's called Never Enough. And some of the lyrics go like this. It says, All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world but it'll never be enough. Never be enough. What is it for you? The sex, the drink, the pills, the fine dining, the fashion, the followers on Instagram. No matter how many likes we get, none of it will satisfy. It's all meaningless. It's his way. In Hebrew, it's the word havel, right? It's like a breath. That's what this meaningless word um, means. A breath, a vapor. It's a mist. It's fleeting. It, It comes and then it goes so quickly. And we spend our short lives, don't we? We're chasing after that wind, aren't we? The wind, and, and, and although our hearts are wide for pleasure, the pleasure is always short-lived, always temporary. There's something in that. There's something in that, isn't there? When we reread those first 10 verses, have you noticed something when you read that? What does it revolve around? How many times has he said, I, I looked out for this, I wanted this, I made this, I amassed this, I acquired this. Everything in his experiment, aims what he aims to do, involves him being at the center of it. And isn't that our perspective as well as we chase after the wind in this life, as we go out and, and chase and pursue pleasure? I'm going to find purpose and meaning in what I desire and what I find pleasurable. And culture tells us that too. Culture tells us, look out for number one. Society says, follow your heart, be true to yourself. But to what end? At what cost? And soon enough, don't we all realize whatever meaning or purpose or pleasure that you try to shape your life around doesn't really ever fulfill? Or it just doesn't compare to the pleasure uh, others seem to be having in this world. Someone always has more pleasure than me. (laughs) Sometimes it's just short-lived, over in a moment, over in a breath. Isn't that the pleasures of life when it comes to me and what I pursue and what I want out of my life? But also... I think we need to be real with ourselves. Sometimes the chase after pleasure, isn't that often just a a cover-up for the pain? It's like when we get cosmetic surgery, we want to get the right nose, we want to get the double eyelids because they cover up the things we don't enjoy about ourselves. We're all doing the same thing. We don't want to deal with the dissatisfaction of life, so we jump from one thing to another to cover it up, hoping that new hobby, that, that new gadget, The new restaurant that broadsheet promised to be good will bring some sort of satisfaction to my drab life. To hide the pain of boringness, of basicness, the existential cry is there in all of us. What are we doing and why are we doing it? Because there doesn't seem to be any profit or gain from it, ultimately. You know, the rich, the famous, the wealthy, they aren't any more happy than the average suburban family living the simple or modest lifestyle. Pleasure is all the same in the end. We all define it and desire it differently, but we all meet the same end. A life that's going to be unfulfilled, dissatisfied, because pleasure seems to be as seasonal as the clothes in our wardrobe. A life that leads ultimately to death. Whether we're wise or foolish in this life, whether we amass plenty or live simply, The pleasures of life come and go. 
and then we die. And he says it in verse 16, and we didn't read that, but whether we live like the wise or live like the fool, we're all going to die. It's, it's a very unhappy conclusion, but it's a very real depression, uh, real conclusion. You know, it, it's depressing that you might spend your life chasing these things, but face the same fate as everyone else. Have it all taken away from something out of your control, like a, like a financial recession, like a pandemic, like a natural disaster. And although many might stay in that misery with life, and although many might want to continue to live directionless and, and purposeless and, and wanting to just keep chasing the highs in life, the preacher, the preacher here realizes where pleasure is indeed found. Can I read for you from verse 24 to 20, 25 of chapter 2? A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? You see, he gets to his conclusion at the end of chapter 2, after talking about pleasure and joy in life, and he realizes joy is there, it's in the hand of God, it comes from the hand of God. You know, joy and pleasure is, is something, again, we all want, right? We'd all choose. We'd 100% choose to to sit poolside with margaritas and have to rock up to work on a Monday morning and sit in our cubicle all day. 100% would rather be hiking mountains and, and enjoying nature than having to, to mow the lawn and pull out weeds again. Joy, right? It's a process of, of, of anticipation seeing before seeing a loved one. Joy is, is when we get to um, go out and do photography and wait for the film to be developed and, and having anticipating it. Joy is the smell that bread you're baking in isolation. I'm using so many examples today because I'm hoping that one of these will touch upon one that relates to you. But you see, it's only joy and pleasure when we see them as gifts. It's only joy and pleasure when we see them as gifts from the hand of God. When we see them in their rightful places in our world. Pleasure itself, yeah, it's desired for sure. We're wired for it. We don't want pain, but we're looking for its fulfillment, aren't we, in all the wrong things. Satisfaction isn't going to be in the things themselves, in the things that we find pleasure in. That alone isn't going to fulfill you. They're all a means in discovering the one whose hand it comes from. Lasting satisfaction is when we can see the gifts and the God who gives us those gifts. You see, consider it with me for a moment. If we're searching for pleasure, as if pleasure is the end goal, we're going to be sorely disappointed. We need to see the relationship we have with the giver of those gifts to be the only lasting thing that will satisfy our thirsty souls. And so in Mark's gospel, Jesus drops his truth bomb, doesn't he? He talks about gaining the world, right? Mark chapter 8, verse 35 to 36. I'll read it for you guys. Uh, Just 36, actually. It says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? You've heard that before, haven't you? What's the point? of gaining the whole world when you'll lose your soul to it. He's saying if we're going to live our lives driven by selfish desires, where it's only me at the center of my world, where it all revolves around me and my pleasure, we're going to lose our souls. He's saying your souls will never find lasting satisfaction, essentially. A a life lived enjoying food and drink and the gifts of God is one that sees the satisfaction and the contentment that's only in God. And for us, it's contentment at the cross of Jesus. A life that's centered around Him. He's the one that gives us true pleasure. He's the one who ultimately, that's where we're going to find satisfaction because it's through Jesus we're going to be in the presence 
of the giver himself. You know, other people in the Bible who, who know God has penned it for us. King David in, in Psalm 16, verse 11, this is in the Old Testament, Psalm 16, verse 11, he says this, God, you make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's what he says. True joy and lasting eternal pleasures, the path of life, that's only going to be found in the presence of God. Or take Paul the Apostle, right? The Apostle of Jesus, Paul, who who writes half our New Testament for us. He writes in the book of Philippians. Uh, He's in prison. He's suffering during this time. He's most likely going to be executed. He's on death row. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says this in Philippians 1.21. You can check it later. He says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Wow, how can you say something like that? To die is gain. Because he knows that he's going to be in the presence of God. That's gain. You see, that's what gain looks like, is to be with Christ. And later on in chapter 4 of the same book, the same letter to Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, he says, I have learned to be content, content, whatever the circumstances. I know, that it is, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Contentment. Satisfaction. His life is not his own. He belongs to Christ, and it's in Christ he finds his contentment. See, the only life that's going to be bringing you any sort of contentment and satisfaction isn't one that's going to constantly chase, chase one pleasure to the next. I mean, you don't want that. That is basic. It's shallow. But a life seeing how the pleasures of life, pointing us, it points us to the one who, who brings us into true lasting presence. Man, that's, that's deep. That's not shallow. That's a full life. That's one that leads us into eternity. Jesus who died for our sin. Jesus who, through his life and his resurrection, brings us into God's presence, into, into to God. We get to have a relationship with him. Where at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You want joy? You want pleasure and, 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 and you desire that? I mean, we all do. Treasure the gifts. Treasure the gifts in light of the one who gives it to you. And maybe that's all I want to leave with us today as, as an implication, an application for us to see the pleasure of the good gifts from God. Especially during this time when we might be asking so many questions about what God is doing. Maybe we need to stop and appreciate the gifts that He has given us and see that there is so much pleasure in, in having time to ourselves maybe during this time. Time with Him. We have technology to still stay connected. We can still call up our friends. The supermarket is still open. We can still eat. We can still have a roof over our heads. Maybe now is the time for us to really apply this, that we can be thankful for the gifts that God has given us. You know, that's for a lot of Christians, we've got to acknowledge this. And and this is why we do things. like we, We say grace before we eat a meal. We say thank you to God for his gifts. This is why we, we give generously to God and to others because we're thankful for God's gifts. This is why we serve and we love others. It's not about us. We want to serve and love others because we're living a life that's thankful for the gifts that God gives us that we get to enjoy. Be perpetually thankful for them. 
And as you do your life, and as you live your life, life will be so much more meaningful for it. Because you know that in eternity, that feeling of pleasure and satisfaction will be forever there in the presence of God. Earlier, I spoke about Michael Jordan. I spoke about his, that latest documentary on Netflix, The Last Dance. To many, he's a well-known hedonist, okay? He golfs, he skis, he goes to resorts, smokes cigars, he, he has the world at his fingertips. No one knows much more about his life besides that ongoing pursuit for pleasure. He's not known for philanthropy, he's not known for charities or speaking into world issues. I'm sure he does part of that, some of that. But he's not known for it. He's known for being a hedonist. He knows for seeking after pleasure. He's 57 this year, right? And I remember, I know this because I remember a few years ago when he turned 50 back in 2013, um, there was an article written about him. He was interviewed by ESPN. I tracked it down and reread it just recently, this last week. And it spoke about dealing with life in retirement from basketball. That even with all his trophies, with all his accolades, he's still got this insatiable thirst that's still unfulfilled, still discontent, still dissatisfied, still searching for pleasure and joy. This is what he said in that interview leading up to his 50th birthday. He said, I would give up everything now to go back and play the game of basketball. Give up everything else now to go back and play the game of basketball. When asked how he replaces that, that need, Michael Jordan, he responds, you don't. You just have to learn to live with it. It's a process. You can have it all, but still feel that sense of emptiness in life, can't you? And friends, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone or any of you. A life with all the wealth you could imagine, but have to live with an emptiness in your heart. My prayer for us is as we look for for good in the pursuit of pleasure in life, we'll discover deeply the reality and truth that only Jesus fulfills that desire for, for joy and pleasure and purpose for you and I. Hey, let's pray together. Father, there is no purpose in the, in the pleasures of life without you. Help us to see that. Help us to acknowledge that. Help us to ultimately treasure you and you alone. To see that pleasure was designed by you and it's by your right hand we'll be able to enjoy pleasures forevermore. May the enjoyment of, of life, the search for joy and our desires for pleasure, May it all be put in its right place before the cross of Christ. May our lives be centered not on ourselves, but the greater story of the gospel, so you can be glorified through us. And our lives be given purpose and depth rather than the shallow chase after the wind. We do pray for all of this, Lord, for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.